So just a word I want to say at the beginning of this episode, the audio is not good and I apologize for that. We're having a power issue in our apartment here and I'm not sure what's going on, but I need to take care of this problem. But we had to try three different microphones on CC to get it working right. So we're going to go ahead and broadcast this, even though I'm terribly sorry that the audio is terrible. Please bear with us because I do think that this is one of our best episodes. We had a really nice conversation about the movie Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome to Movies About. Welcome to, to Movies About. Um, I've written the theme song, the new theme song, but we just haven't had time to record it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know when that's going to happen because we're going to Thailand and Jim's going to be absent for a full month. Yeah, so we're recording this now, the day before I leave. We saw a fantastic, mm-hmm. a fantastic movie. We watched... Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Which is starring Scarlett Johansson. Yes. And Penelope Cruz. And Javier Bardem. Javier and Bardem. let's see, Rebecca Hall. And Rebecca Hall. So Rebecca Hall is Vicky, and Christina is Scarlett Johansson. Yep. And then Javier Bardem, and then Penelope Cruz's name is Marie... Marie Elena. Marie Elena. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah. You didn't mention the name of Javier Bardem's character. Well, I'm, I'm trying to separate out the women, the women okay. in the film, because... Uh, right. Yeah, because that might be kind of confusing. We've both seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. I saw it years ago, like probably when it came out. Me too. And it's completely different seeing it this time. Me too. Yeah. Why was it different for you? It's a combination of things. It's a, what feels like a three hour story length movie in a nice, concise 90 minute film Mm -hmm. where a lot happens and a lot changes and these characters go through such changes. It's a perfect screenplay to Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, it's Woody Allen. And the dialogue is so natural, which is what he does. Mm-hmm. It's so crisp. It's funny. I was laughing a lot yeah, during this movie. Yeah, it was hilarious. And also it was, this is what you have to do with screenplays sometimes, is you have to seed these ideas early, mm-hmm. and then they come back. And you don't even think, and you, but you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Like when they meet Judy when they arrive in Barcelona, and she says things have been you know, kind of dull around here. Well, then you realize almost towards the end of the film that her marriage is falling apart. Right. But this is just these little touches. Like I, I would like to use this example for a script writing class on mm-hmm. on how to like build the dialogue, how to make the dialogue natural, how to make it funny, how to make the characters very real. Every character is a completely fleshed out character. Totally. Yeah. It was just so expertly written. What were your impressions? Well, the first one is that Um, upon viewing this movie this time um, as part of our movies about places um, theme. Yes. I realized that this movie had nothing to do with Barcelona. My impression was that Barcelona wasn't necessarily, like it could have been another city. It was more of like the European experience of the American exchange student or, Mm -hmm. you know, summer holiday wasp American girl kind of thing. And so it wasn't very like Barcelona. There was nothing really about Barcelona that um, had anything to do with the the Mm storyline. 
I would say there's a bit, though. I mean, it, there, mm-hmm. there's obviously, you know, the language, the culture. Right. They, they tie it in with the, with the setting, like mm-hmm. with the, you know, the music, the guitar player. Right. You know the art world, mm. the architecture of his fantastic apartment that That's he has. True, yeah. The you know riding the bicycles mm. down these. I mean, it was almost like this movie was kind of like a nineteenth-century romantic, idyllic totally. European. You're totally right. Yeah. Kind of scene, and there's there's like mm. there's a shot of Penelope Cruz's character Maria Elena sitting on on this stone bench with her feet dangling in a pool. Mm-hmm. The f- shot is framed with her kind of to the right of the frame, mm-hmm. and it just looks like one of these idyllic romantic paintings that you would see right. with flower petals and, you know, kind of the tree branches into the frame. Mm-hmm. I-, I thought it was very Spanish, actually. Mm-hmm. I do see what you mean. I agree with you that it could have been put in another location and been, been the same story. Yeah, yeah. yeah it could have been in <laughs> yeah. Italy. But I think that it did mix with the... You know, the details would have been different. Okay. But I think it it doesn't tell us about Barcelona. I right. Think, and, and yeah, I think that's what that I might meant, be. I think, yeah. And yet I, I, felt, I felt it. I felt the place. Mm. I guess because I've done a summer in Barcelona and I didn't I've feel never the been. place. Possibly because they're in a very different income bracket than I, <laughs> than I ever was. Thing I thought about that <laughs> yeah. watching the movie. That's the thing with these movies sometimes. It's like... Mm-hmm. It's almost like with some of these stories, in order to do this kind of idyllic situation, you have to have impossible wealth, right. measureless, yeah. infinite wealth, I guess. And a lot of Woody Allen movies are centered right. around these, a very specific class of New Yorkers, I think. And there's mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. all Woody Allen movies are about New Yorkers, in my opinion. Okay. And it doesn't matter where he sets the movie. Oh. It's such, a, he's such a New York film Maker. I didn't even think of that. Uh, I also think he was influenced by living in Europe too, right. um, because he did. He had this. I think this is a period of time for him where he's concentrating on France, yes, England, right, uh, Spain, yeah, and in Italy there was a Roman. Oh yeah, yeah, there was okay. a Roman one too. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all horrible. <laughs> Like oh, the, the mid, I I feel like Midnight in Paris was like a I totally Disney disagree movie. with you. Well, I, I, so Midnight in Paris, yeah. I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think that Match Point, mm-hmm. Match Point is amazing. It's fantastic. So that's London. Yeah. Um, this one is amazing. This mm-hmm. is probably the best of the bunch. Yeah, I love this. Those one. three movies. I, I think this is a pinnacle period for him. Actually, I I yep. feel like his, you know, his New York movies set in New York. They over time to me started to get a little repetitive, and mm-hmm. then I thought he experimented a little bit more. But then he's still kind of in this, in this world of kind of I hate to say whining, uh, upper class people with their connivances and their their you know mm-hmm. <laughs> infidelities and things like that. It started to grow tiring, and I think when he started focusing on places, other places, mm, okay, it kind that's of interesting. It kind of energized his his filmmaking oh, a little that's bit. Interesting. I think also stylistically, like. A lot of this is the cinematographer, but um, he started doing f- close-ups really mm-hmm. well. Like mm-hmm. if you notice in this and in Match Point, he loves Scarlett Johansson. Mm, right. The close-ups of her—that's what I remember of Match Point—is mm-hmm. the close-ups of her. Yeah, and he does it also in this movie. You know, she's got this just golden hair. Mm-hmm. These, you know, he's got these 
four or five beautiful faces in this film. Definitely. And he treats the close-ups really well. And then the two shots, he like he's not afraid to like occasionally go out of focus. He doesn't care, but the close-ups are like meticulously framed. And it's sort of a different style for him. Yeah. I remember thinking that in Match Point. He did here. cast like about four of the most beautiful people on the planet. Yeah. It was kind of surreal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we said at one point while we were watching, like Penelope Cruz is just as hot as right. Scarlett Johansson. Well, so is um, Rebecca Hall. Yeah, so she, in the first scene, I'm like, oh, she's really pretty. Yeah. So, Cece, you spent some time in Barcelona. What yeah, was, I think, okay, like? so I spent a summer in Barcelona about a couple of years before this movie came out. And so Barcelona and everything, all these themes were kind of like very clear in, you know, I was very obsessed with, you know, myself and my experience in Europe. And so I was around the age of Christina and Vicky. Um for a, a really long time, it was my favorite city in the world. I think it is the most beautiful city in the world. Like, I think it is the only city that can kind of rival Paris in in that aspect. And it used to be like sort of the party capital of Europe back in like the 90s and the early 2000s until Berlin kind of took over that role. <laughs> and so when I went there for the first time, I was about 22. It was like 2006 or something. And um, I went there because it was something that all the youth of Europe kind of do, you know, in the summer. And I loved it. It's so beautiful. And it's so free. There's something about Spanish people who live in Barcelona. They look really cool. And I don't say that about a lot of people. Like, they're so cool in a sense that there's nothing really fake or contrived about their coolness that the way they dress the way they live and the way they speak they're very much at ease so they're kind of like californian europeans okay and i think there are a lot of things that in san francisco that reminded me of barcelona and i've heard that parallel i've heard that comparison from mm -hmm. other people but there's something so laid back yet very cultured and sophisticated about mm. barcelona mm. that paris doesn't have paris is not laid back Okay. <laughs> and so I really liked it. I wanted to live there. And you know how I told you during the movie, it blows my mind that some people just casually live in Spain. And what I meant by that. Yeah. What I meant by I that. I knew what you meant by that, but yeah, go ahead. It's so beautiful and nice and cool. And there's a lot going on there. And so mm -hmm. Barcelona has always been a magical place for me. There are a lot of pickpockets. A yeah, lot of issues. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of nasty sometimes. But and so, but what I didn't, um, the movie didn't really touch on this at all. But there's what I didn't know back then is that Barcelona within Spain is a very unique place in a sense that, first of all, it wasn't part of Spain. Ah, uh, okay. Right. So Spain had Cat Catalonia, is the region, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it is like, when I say it's a lot like California, it it also is like California in a geopolitical sense because like they kind of carry the Spanish economy single handedly. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely describes California. <laughs> They're very progressive, and so they kind of want to be independent. Like they really want to be independent, right? Because like 
if they got rid of this dead weight yeah. <laughs> that is space, right. <laughs> they could thrive. And also they have their own identity. They don't speak Spanish, the Spanish that we know. Mm. A lot of people speak the language of Catalan, which is like closer to French than okay. Spanish. And so the, the movie didn't ex, you know, explain any of that, except yeah, so that she was, um, Vicky was Vicky. studying Catalan identity, right? <laughs> I thought that was funny, Ca- Catalan identity. Yeah. Not history or not, yeah, cult, not culture. Yeah, she's a master's in Catalan identity and she doesn't speak any Spanish. Yeah. Woody Allen always has his foot in academia yeah. and that was a little a little poke, I think. Yeah. Well, it sounds beautiful I, I mm. and fascinating. I've never been, but obviously like when you go to places through movies, yeah, you know, you see things in, in, in ways like this that are just, it just calls to you and makes you want to, makes you want to go. Yeah, yeah. But there's a, there's a very good Barcelona movie, a French movie called L'Auberge Espagnole. And I think the English um, title is Spanish Apartment. Okay. And it's about these um, exchange students, all these European exchange students from different countries who share an apartment in Barcelona for one year. And they really explain, you know, the... Oh, okay. So they get into it more. Yeah, they really get into it. And so, not that I expect that from Woody Allen, but Mm. it was just sort of like, there was no, there was nothing about that. And so that's what I meant by it could have been in another city. I totally, and and I really like what you said about how every Woody Allen movie is a movie about New Yorkers. I'd never really thought of that before, Mm -hmm. but I think you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, should we talk about the story a little bit? It's Sure. Let me. Can I lead off with this because yes. this is this is what was blowing my mind with my, with this movie. Is I think what he's done here, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying about how not only the look, mm-hmm. but in the in the kind of I really hate using this word archetype because it's been so co opted um, by the man sphere. Um, <laughs> what really? It has because Carl Jung and okay. Jordan Peterson and all that. Anyway, um, but it's. I still like the word. It's there's these figures. I right now I'm reading uh Herman Hess again mm-hmm. and I've read like four of his books and I'm reading Steppenwolf. What Herman Hess uh he's a early 20th century writer, German writer. But what he does is he tries to through his characters create ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, you can think of this if you don't want to think in terms of archetypes, you can think in terms of like the the characters come to act out or embody uh, an idea. Mm. I just really clearly saw the ideas in these characters. So you have Vicky. Vicky is contemporary liberal America, New York liberal America. Okay. (laughs) She's a little curious. She's a little interested, but she wants everything to be explained Mm-hmm. She wants to know the terms up front before mm-hmm. she does anything. Right. She's going to, if anything kind of shakes her out of her, and I mean contemporary liberal. I don't mean liberal like, uh, you know, in the sense of, you know, she's liberally minded. Uh, kind of a, she's almost like a puritanical liberal in a sense. Mm-hmm. And then her husband is a worse version of this. Right. He's the male version of this. Right. And she's the female version of this. And so everything threatens to offend her. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Christina, mm-hmm. who is the free spirit. 
Right. And she is the one who, she wants spontaneity. She wants to learn. She wants to go out and experience. She's moving from guy to guy. Mm-hmm. She can't find contentment. Mm-hmm. So this is all indicative of a free spirit. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Marie Elena, who is the artist. Mm-hmm. So through these three women, I think you have these three ideas. So the artist knows her shit. She knows her craft. Mm-hmm. She knows exactly what she do, what she's doing. She's fucking mad, mm-hmm. right? She has no social graces. Mm-hmm. She speaks her mind completely mm-hmm. because she's got a singular sense of vision. Mm-hmm. She's, she's able to interpret and kind of judge things. I don't mean judge in a bad way. I mean, she's able to look at a situation and know what it is and kind of uncover it. Yes, yes. What I really like about all of these three women... First of all, bravo to Woody Allen for writing these very different women. Mm-hmm. Just for a moment, lose yourself in the movie and put his personal life aside. He wrote them so well because none of them are wrong. Right, right. Every one of them has to go through a process of enacting this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even, you know, like Vicky, she's the one who has the strongest arc, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the error of being utterly convinced of your New York liberal way. Yes. Being shattered. Yes. The free spirit's always going to be the free spirit. But in a way, Vicky is the one who has to like really kind of come to terms with the ideas that she had. And in that sense, I saw it almost like a a commentary on liberal New York. Interesting. I never thought about that. But that's, yeah, that's probably true. And then Vicky, of course, is... Sorry, sorry. uh, uh, Christina. uh, No, I was going to say Maria Elena. She's like... uh, What would you say? She's the most admirable one of the three Mm. like she just she's a genius and she even says it she's so direct she says don't call me brilliant i'm a genius she didn't say it like that Mm. she doesn't say it cocky like that no she was like it's not talent no not talent genius that's the way she says it yeah and uh you know she's the tortured soul she's the she's the she's the artist so like i think herman hess would really love this movie Mm, interesting yeah i know all three women in real life Mm. Like, I would say I know multiple women of all three of those archetypes. And um, I would say that back when I was watching this movie, I was so enamored with Marie Elena. I had a lot of contempt for Vicky. I was 24. Yeah. And I related a lot to Christina because I think I was like very much like Christina Mm. at that age. I can see that. (laughs) Um, In a sense that she knew exactly what she didn't want, but she wasn't sure what she wanted. Oh, good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I think, the problem with the free spirit. Yeah. And also it's also called being 25. Right. Yeah. and, And also like... The man, the male hero's journey with their mani- manic pixie dream girls, you know, if there's like a male, male version of this story, right? Um, where there's the, the male hero's journey is very clear in most stories. Like, it has an very, objective, and you need to accomplish yes. that objective, and the antagonist is trying to avoid the protagonist from getting that exactly, objective. Exactly. Thank you. And there's a very specific, like, there's an arc. It's it's sort of like mm-hmm. there's a universality to the struggle and the conflict. Yeah, they call it a hero's cycle or a hero's circle. Yeah. And, and for me, watching this, I realized that for women, we are often, and this is what Simone de Beauvoir talks about, we are often sort of like defined through men or our experiences are influenced by the men that we choose to you know 
That's why she titled it The Second Sex. Yes. Because secondary. And that is very much true. And it has nothing to do with how feminist that statement is or whatever. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, it has been my experience. And I think this is a very realistic portrayal. Christina's journey is a very realistic portrayal of that. Because she can only experience things. She thinks that she Ah, can only experience things through men. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she keeps searching for the man who will give her the life that she didn't even know that she wanted. And that journey is going to, you know, come to an end at some point. Right. Right. Um, as it did That's for me. That's what Javier Bardem's character yeah. says. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, now that I'm approaching 40, like next month, I saw that scene and I was like, she's going to be okay. She's totally going to be okay. Yeah, she's and, totally going to be okay. But the interesting thing about her mm-hmm. arc is she found her art. Yes. Through them, through the artists. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And so that was, I really appreciated that this time mm-hmm. around. Um, yeah. Maria Elena, I had so much admiration. Like 24 year old me was just like, I wanted to be like her. And um, now I'm just like, oh my God, thank God I'm not like her. Yeah. Um, wow. But, you know, I've known people like this and... Me too. They are often, I, 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 let's just say like, I don't want to be that. Um, but I, I think I just really wanted to be this like romantic, like this glamorous, um, talented and beautiful, you know, person who kind of makes everybody miserable because there's something, there's poetry to that and there's mm-hmm. poetry mm-hmm. to making people suffer. It's kind of like our foster dog, um, that went to LA recently. I love her so much because she kind of made me suffer. You know, she's kind of like a crazy right, dog. Right. Turns out she's even crazier than we thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, I love her. She made me suffer so much and I love her for that. And so kind of reminded me of our foster dog, actually. That Interesting. Interesting. So when it comes to Vicky, 40 year old me has a lot of sympathy for Vicky. And I totally get it. I get it and I get her, but I also don't think she's going to be okay. That's yes. one character that, because back when I saw it, I was like, well, she's going to be fine. She, you know, has her rich husband and she's, you know, has her stupid life in mm-hmm. Connecticut and she's going to be fine. Um, and I was more worried about Christina and I was projecting and I was just thinking, oh my God, what is she going to do? Like, you know, her life is going to be, she's walking into, the path of, you know, no stability and no husband and no job possibly. And I've walked that path and I came out fine. And I realized that the job and the husband and the Connecticut home are not what define you. And it's not what you look back on when all is said and done. Vicky, on the other hand, is going to be very empty. So those feelings of doubt and emptiness that she has right now are going to be about a hundred times stronger <laughs> by the time she's my age. Yeah, and an experience like she had mm-hmm. just shatters your comforts. Yeah. And your picture that you've made from, for yourself of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think when we were trapped, you know, during COVID, not to bring every conversation back to COVID, but mm-hmm. we kind of we, we kind of forgot that. Right. You know, and our our ideas around what was right and what other people were doing and what we presume other people, mm-hmm. how we categorize other people. It was just reinforced by being confined. Um, mm. Because when you go out and you travel, that's one thing I was thinking about watching this movie is they go out and have this experience and it's impossible for them to not think back all four of these characters. Right. It's impossible for them not to think back to that time in their life, which mm-hmm. is a catalyst for 
becoming a different self in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, except for, I think, Penelope Cruz's character, maybe not so much. Like, she kind of stayed the same. Well, she is that... Um, Uncompromising. No, but she is that for other people. You see what I mean? So not a magnet pixie dream girl, but she is something like that. Yeah, but she's also a constant for other people. That's what I, I meant, see. yeah. Mm. I don't think Manic Pixie Dream Girl is that, though. Just in the sense that her character didn't change very much, but everybody's character changed because of their interaction with her. Right. Only in that sense. That's okay. why I said not a, right. she's not that. Okay. I meant a variation of, yeah. of that idea. I, th- I feel like we have an argument every time Manic Pixie Dream Girl is mentioned. I don't think we, we argue. Different... I think we have a discussion, um, but... It's because there's different ways of looking at it. Okay. I have I, I don't have a very strong sense of what that term means. We don't have to get into it again. Mm-hmm. And I think not having a strong sense of that term means it's endlessly discussable. Okay. I think otherwise, but okay. Okay. All right. I think she is kind of like a place. Like, you know, I think of Paris as like a you know, like sort of a feminine character. Paris is a character in my life. Yeah. And she Mary Elena is sort of like that kind of character that is constant and people experience her and then they, you know, they become what they become. Yeah. And she'll do what she'll do, you know? Yeah. No matter what. She's not going to change for anybody. Right. Because Um, she's an artist. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I, I don't know what, I what mean, that, yeah. Okay, maybe not yeah. an artist. She's a genius. So so right. these types of people, we, kn- we know some mm-hmm. high-level artists. Yeah. They have absolute conviction. Right. And a lot of self-doubt. Oh, you think so? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like a lot of, yeah, I don't know, kind of that contradiction, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I see what you're saying. I, but I there's this, um, there's also, there's, I, I think we're thinking about the same person at, right now, when we're okay, talking, yeah, 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 yeah. I think we're talking about the same person. Yeah. But I think with that person, I think that they have a sense of confidence and like sort of and an unwillingness to change, yes. to be true to themselves, and that's what makes them artists. Like because they artists. have to. Yeah, because this person that we're both thinking about, which I'm pretty sure it's this, is the same person, is unwilling to change his art for anything or anyone and i can say that with utmost confidence like you can and i appreciate that you can offer him a billion dollars and he won't do what he won't do um or they won't do what but i've known (laughs) a few people like this in my life you know and i've had people like this as close friends and it's Mm. Uh, they're very frustrating to be with, but then you want to be with them. You want to be around them. Yeah. yeah. So for me, like I, even though I appreciated Vicky's arc in this movie, mm-hmm. the people that I want to spend time with are the Christinas and the Marie, uh, the Penel- Elena's, Elena's mm-hmm. character, those characters. Yeah. And then the men, I think that are are kind of extensions of the female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that even though Javier Bardem is, you know, central to the film. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of like a um, he's because of her, even Definitely. though she comes two thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah, and then Vicky, mm. <laughs> her husband, who gave me the greatest laughs. Yeah, throughout the movie. So there's again, I was talking about the screenplay. There's one little subtle thing that happens where, towards the end of the movie, her Vicky's husband mm. is looking at a bird in a cage, mm. and he's like, "Oh, we should get one of these." <laughs> 
And I'm, like, and I'm thinking the only people who get birds and put them in cages are people who want to put people in cages. Mm-hmm. I, that's my theory. You can, yeah. That's my hot take. You can disagree with that. But there's something symbolic in well, him yeah, admiring so. the bird in the cage. Yeah. And that's specific. That's intentional definitely. by Woody Allen to yeah. put that in the film. Yeah, definitely. I think that's pretty accurate. Why would you get a bird in a cage? I don't understand it. Yeah. Why would you do that? And why would that thought even come to, unless you're that type of person? You're the type of person who thinks that your wife would never have an affair. Right, right. Because men like that think when they meet the girl and get married, Mm -hmm. they think I've solved that problem. Yes. I've captured this woman. Yeah. And she will never change. Yes. yes. And that's why the bird, it was just a simple little scene of a bird in a cage. Right. And he really liked this Definitely. bird in the cage. Yeah. And that's because that's all he wants. Yeah. And they, he's kind of obsessed with um, decorating their home, renovating their home. He only talks about the home yeah. and renovating the home. And, and are they going to get it? Wire, and, yeah. yeah. So that and they she's can have bored like, out of her mind because yeah. she's had this wonderful romance. Yeah. That's why I, you know, now that I look at that, Back then, I didn't really have this thought, but now I'm just like I didn't have these thoughts either. You are in trouble. Like you're not good. You're not. Yeah, okay. they're in trouble. Yeah, yeah you're not okay. And it's, he's it's not, not going to recognize. Go he's not going to recognize it until it's too late. Because he's not going to change, and she has been changed forever. Like she yeah. can't go back to not knowing yes. what that is. And but. she's going to go through the process of right. changing more. Right. But you know, you gotta go through your own. Yeah, you gotta go through it, and then he'll he'll I don't know have his own moment of understanding or not but going back to the uh, foster dog analogy I kind of want to like expand on that so we found out that our foster dog is insanely smart even for a border collie this is Sarah our border collie who was in LA now right Yeah, in LA and she um, went to this fancy border collie training center and was trained by this very expensive trainer who was like you know an expert a behavioralist and thank you to care for fronting the cost for that and the dove project oh so that's the dove project um, for making that happen because we love her I'm I'm a little bit obsessed with her I, I don't think you're not obsessed with her, babe. You, you, okay. you she had a, an extraordinary impact on your life, and yeah. th- that's normal. So the thing that really put me at ease is when the trainer said. Apparently, they said that she is going to be who she is, and we just need to accept it, right? So she's going to be free to be who she is. And who is she? She is apparently. Uh, a dog who will not share resources with anybody else and she will bully other dogs because she needs to have all of her resources to herself herself she will try to herd everything but she also has vision problems and she's a loving and very uh intelligent and endlessly entertaining dog but she will never behave in a city environment yeah she needs a place where there's no kids that's the other thing right you know small children uh, she'd be fine with teenagers she needs a place where she's going to get a, a lot of attention and a lot of stimulation and something to do mm-hmm. but i do worry about this thing with her vision where she may not we don't know if she would be able to actually be a farm herder right but i think because they understand who she is i think she's going to be okay and they're going to match her appropriately that's good but what i'm trying to say is that 
you know, a lot of us in society, we bend ourselves and we break ourselves. We chip ourselves away to fit in and to make other people comfortable. And I think like in, in my case, I spend a lot of energy and time trying to make people more comfortable by making myself smaller, by making myself, you know, quieter or whatever, mm. you know. And the Maria Elenas of the world don't. And it's usually because we allow them to be that way because it's worth, they, they're kind of worth it, you know? And that, that's why she reminded me of Sarah. Because I think like everybody involved with Sarah's rescue collectively decided that she's worth it. And so everybody has decided she is going to be allowed to be who she is. And we're not going to try to like, you know, break her and train her into, you know, beat her into submission. Being a normal dog. Yeah, and, and be a normal dog. And that I think... So she gets to be an artist. Yeah. And I think that that's, and that's rare for a reason because society can't afford to have too many people like that. But there are those of us who are, who are worth it, who are worth the trouble. I think so too. And that's... Those who are gifted, yeah. Yeah. And I think that we should understand that and cherish that, you know? I agree with you 100%. And I'm saying this as somebody who's not one of those people. (laughs) We're not Uh, not talking about ourselves here. Yeah. And, and... That's something that I see now. And the Vickies of this world are just going to be, you know, that that's their cross to bear. If you chose comfort and submission and conformity. Your prior picture of what you think your life should be. Yeah. Then that is your cross to bear. You don't get to be free. And, and we all have our, you know, we all sacrifice something. You can't get everything in life. Like, it's not that deep. That That is basically what I'm saying. Like, you know, this viewing in particular, I kind of had a very lighthearted viewing. Whereas when I was 24, I was like, oh my God, is she right? Is she wrong? What about, what if she chose this? What if she chose that? It's not, it seemed very big to me. But this time around, I'm just like, okay. No. That's, well, that's an, cute. You're an older and wiser yeah. woman. <laughs> I, I much preferred it, this, this viewing than... I did before. I must have been in not a great headspace when I saw it, which sometimes happens in movies. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see how great this movie is mm. the first time I saw it. Yeah. And now I do. And um, that happens. This was your suggestion. Yes. And I thank you for that. Anything else we want to say about this movie? Um. Okay. So I want to talk about Javier Bardem because we didn't. Yeah, really we didn't talk really about talk about his about character. Him. Yeah. This was one of the movies that introduced Javier Bardem to the American audience, I yes. feel like. Yeah, right? And then he became really big. And then, yes. you know, um, the the way I always felt like he was underused in this movie. But then now I'm, I feel like his acting was brilliant. There is a subtle... There was a naturalness with him yes. and the other characters. Yeah. Like he had, he had, a, he had a naturalness mm-hmm. with um, Christina... And Vicky, he had a really hard fucking role to play. Yeah. Because he had these different dynamics with these three women. Right. And he pulled each one off with complete confidence. Right. And at the right pitch. Yes. And what's funny is that now that I've lived in Europe for almost a decade, since then, since my first viewing, I saw him and he made me laugh hysterically because there are so many men like this in Europe. Like, I, I just know so many people like that. And everything he said was comedy to me. Because, see, you get with these kind of guys, right? These mysterious, free-spirited European dudes who have silk shirts, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And you find out that 
he's actually not that talented and he has only like one set of bed sheets and like he's actually not that interesting and a lot of his influences were someone else's and i think that that was sort of like implied in the movie well it was it was talked about yeah. so that she was the genius and he kind of stole some of her ideas yeah and there are a lot of men like that in the arts i feel like absolutely so it but was he did seem like brilliant. a genuine guy that yeah. I, I didn't find anything wrong with him well they are all genuine that's the thing uh-huh. they're not fake they are genuinely in love with every single woman they meet. That's the Casanova thing. So they're not players. They're not playing. At that moment, they really mean it. When you when they say, like, you are the most beautiful woman I've seen in my, you know, I've seen, they mean that you are the most beautiful woman that they've seen that day. So they mean it. And they fall in love very easily. And, you know, he, and there was this line where the, he, they said, um, the narrator says, Juan Carlos Antonio was one of those artists who needs to live with a woman all the time, right? And I know what that is. Like, they kind of... These men need to be nurtured in that romantic way. And um, that's sort of a huge part of their art. And I'm not necessarily criticizing it, but it's like a huge part of, like art because it's part of living well i think like you know the bon vivant who like you know it's like good food and like you know you want to like enjoy the arts and you want to eat and drink well and enjoy the company of beautiful women and they want to do it all and it's it's a voracious appetite for life and that is what makes them artists Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so he he felt very familiar to me during this okay okay I don't know any guys like this, but For I thought, but reason, I, he seemed, but he seemed yeah. like a real character to me. Yeah. For some reason, they're all European. There's something about the culture that like kind of encourages behavior like this in men and celebrates it. And I think maybe it's because like in a lot of European countries, like the, the Latin ones, um, they're very family oriented. And so they probably celebrate a sort of like a more masculine kind of traditionally masculine type of figure. Mm-hmm. And there's also less pressure to like go out there and be like a soldier for capital capitalism in some of these families. Like if your family happens to own a lot of property, you know, you don't need to, you can just be an artist and drink good wine and, you know, bed women. Right. And so there's this like a lot of things kind of contribute to these these personalities and Maria Elena is also a product of the culture too. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that can only come if Woody Allen has been there Mm -hmm. yeah, and kind of um, observed these, observed these character types because I'm sure he goes out to a lot of parties. Totally. And and he's Woody Allen. Like they love Woody Allen. Right. Yeah. What are we going to do next? We might do a movie about uh, Thailand. Yeah. Is there a movie about Chiang Mai or Northern Thailand? That there are, uh, but nothing comes to mind. I'll, okay. I will ask while I'm in Chiang Mai. Okay. Yeah, so we, I'm going there for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, you're going to stay there for a month. Um, yeah. Working on your book, which we will soon announce probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, see. I'm in the second draft and um, it's going great. Well, yeah. I don't know when we will talk to you again, but thanks for listening and we will catch you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.